Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. All right, so you got your Bible this morning. Uh, we're going to open up. We're in a series called Knowing God, Knowing God. And you're like, Mark, of course, you, you should do a series called Knowing God in Church. That's a good idea. But the problem is that we all, we're already at church because we probably know him. And essentially what we've been doing the last two weeks, this is our third week of, of this series, is we've been talking about the third person of the Trinity, uh, in specific, the Holy Spirit. And many people, there's a lot of you know, red tape around. Oftentimes you go to churches, they have no problem talking about God the Father, God the Creator, uh, you know, God the Son, Jesus, preaching Jesus. And again, we are not anti-Jesus or not anti-the Father. Uh, we are pro all of them. But, but it's interesting, you know, Moses, when he prayed, he prayed to the Father. When the disciples prayed in the New Testament, under the Old Testament, Moses prayed to the Father. In the New Testament, the disciples prayed to Jesus, the Son. But in our era, our dispensation, we connect with the Father and the Son through the Holy Spirit. And some people go, Mark, how does that work? I don't really understand that. And that's what we want to try to do in this series is just really let everyone know that, number one, he's a person. And we talked about two weeks ago that you'll never know God personally until you understand that the Holy Spirit is a person. He has feelings. He can be grieved. He can be, he can be honored. He can be, so he can be lied to. There's a lot of things. And so before you get up and leave and you're like, oh, my gosh, I don't like these type of churches and the Holy Spirit, scary. I want you to know if, if someone ever taught you something that makes you nervous about something that's in the Bible, I would question that maybe what you were taught was wrong, not what the Holy Spirit is. And so today, we're just going to have a good time. If you believe it, say amen. We're not a boring community, so if you get bored this morning, you can check your pulse. Uh, we're going to have a good time today. I might tell some stories, maybe, dare I say, jokes. And I don't think that God is boring. I don't think that God has a bad sense of humor. It says that he has the ability to laugh at his enemies. That's a funny person right there. And if you can laugh at someone that you don't like, that's, that's a good sense of humor. And so we're going we're gonna to enjoy God this morning. We're going to open up our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, we'll peek at a few other spots in the book of Acts. But uh, we, Ephesians 5 is what I felt like God put on my heart today. And again, we don't do series every week like this. We, we really do a series once. I try to do a series at least once a year that really dives deeper than most churches would dare to go on a Sunday morning as it pertains to the Holy Spirit. Last year, we did this series. Uh, I think we called it, was it Close? Was that the name of the series last year? We talked about the Holy Spirit. I think it was one of the greatest things that we did all year. And there's something about when you, I don't know, when someone brags about you, it makes you want to show up. And what we try to do in this series is really make much of, of the Holy Spirit. And some people are like, well, Mark, no, you need to be careful. You don't want to talk too much about, the, you know, you got to talk about Jesus. I want you to know that there's no insecurity in the Godhead. Can I give you something before I give you something? Is that all right? What does that mean? I don't know. It's going to wing. It's first service. I want you to know that the sun, come on, the sun has three entities to it. You ready? You see it, it's the sun. But the sun also produces light, and the sun also produces heat. It's one sun, three distinct factors. And if I could say it like this, God the Father would be like the sun, right? Like the sun, S-O-N. Jesus Christ, the S-U. Uh, no. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. That was a tricky one right there. Listen. God, the Father, is the S-U-N. Come on. Jesus Christ, the S-O-N, is the, is the light. But the Holy Spirit is the warmth that you feel. 
The Holy Spirit, when he comes into a room, that's what you feel. You're like, I feel God in the room. Yeah, God the Father is here. Yes, God the Son. Yes, he, he's, he's being preached and honored and magnified. But it is the Holy Spirit that changed the temperature. So today, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to read. And I want to talk to you. We talked about knowing God personally two weeks ago, knowing God powerfully last week. And this morning, over the next 25 minutes, we're going to open up the Bible, read six verses. And I want to talk to you about knowing God fuller. Fuller. It is a word. I looked it up. I, like, I knew it was a word because my daughter watches Fuller House. And I'm like, if it's a title of a series, it's got a movie series, it's got to be a real word. Okay. It's a college named it too. Uh, anyways, we'll, uh, we'll uh, Ephesians chapter 5, and we get there, say, I am there. Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. This is like the queen of all the epistles. Uh, this is the letter that was written really to the church about what the church is supposed to encapsulate. It talks about the supremacy of Jesus in the church. And so we're going to read Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 15, 515. When you get there, say, I'm there. And let's read this together. Uh, again, if you're new to our church, I'm going to read six verses. I'm going to pray. After I pray, I'm going to tell a couple stories. Uh, if you laugh, we call them, we do, we call them jokes. But if you don't laugh, it's just it's a story today. And so we'll tell some stories. And then uh, everything that I teach on, though, will be, be connected to these six verses and the idea of living fuller. Living fuller. I was going to call it living fully, but I think to be a little bit arrogant because I don't think we can ever fully know God. I think we can know God fuller, though. That's my premise. If you have your Bible, Ephesians chapter 5, it says in verse 15, Paul writes, See then you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Who wants to be wise and not a fool? Hopefully everybody in the room. If you didn't respond to that, we'll pray for wisdom right now. Not as fools, but as wise, redeeming, buying back the time. The days are evil because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand, understand. How do you understand what the will of the Lord is? Uh, all right, he kind of gives us an answer. How do we understand? Well, you'll understand the will of the Lord by not being drunk with wine in which there is dissipation, but be filled. Say it with me, filled. Say it again, filled. Filled with the Spirit. Speaking, uh, highlight these S words real quick, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, come on, singing, I'm in church and I'm singing, <laughs> better stop, singing, making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number three, submitting to one another in the fear, in the fear of God. I want to talk to you today about knowing God. Say it with me, fuller. God, I just thank you this morning for what you're doing in our church. We know that, Lord, we live in a day and age that there's a lot of evil things happening in the world, a lot of darkness, a lot of injustice, a lot of things that are taking place, God, that are hurting people and place in, in hurting cities and, and diminishing, God, what you want to do on the earth. And so, Lord, today we invite you, Holy Spirit. We invite you to come in today, Lord, to magnify Jesus, refill the Father. And God, I pray that you would, God, even today, give us, give us more of yourself. We don't want to live emptier. We want to live, come on, fuller. So today, would you have your way? Bless the Lakers, Lord, in Jesus' name. Come on, someone said, hey, amen, amen, amen. I don't know what it is, uh, but I, I get to a point when I get hungry enough that I just, you're, you're not you when you're hungry. Can we agree on this this morning? I think Snickers might have started a campaign that you're not yourself when you're hungry. And I don't know if you've been there before on a vacation, maybe a road trip, and you're with your loved ones, the people that mean the most to you. Someone say the most. 
These people you love more than anybody else. They're in your car. You're paying for their trip. You're paying for their hotel. You're paying for their pass to Disney World. You're, you're financing the whole endeavor. You love these people. These people mean the most to you. But if you get a long enough stretch of time that there's no food going into your empty, your empty stomach, it's amazing that you get to a, a point, a, a juncture in your mind mentally that things that normally would never irritate you begin to severely bother you. Can we agree? These are people that you love the most. These are your favorite humans. These are the ones that, that have the same blood as you, the same smile as you, the same eyes as you. But if you hear them chomping on some, come on, goldfish in the backseat, and you're hungry, it's funny how noises you become sensitive to. Smells. What's that smell? Who took their shoes off in the backseat? Smells begin to get just like, ah, frustrated. I'm with the smells. making me angry. Chomping's making me angry. Everything's making me angry. And then you... Then you get a disagreement with someone in the car, and you're like, no, you, you're, you're, you're the one with the problem. You're the one with the problem. You're the one that was wrong. I'm not, you're, you're wrong. You're the one that has the wrong. And you get sensitive, and you start getting irritable, and you start getting argumentative, and you just really aren't yourself when you're empty. When you're empty, you're just not yourself. Can we agree? You start barking at people that you love. You start saying things that you don't mean. And it's funny because you know you're not you because the moment you get something in your stomach... And you're like, ah, I'm sorry, guys. I love all of you. I was just hungry. I was just thoroughly hungry. I love all of you. That wasn't a big deal. I made it a big deal, but it wasn't a big deal. You're still my kids. I've learned that, you know, there's something about being empty versus being full. Again, very simple concept but it changes the way that you see life. Some of you don't believe in God, but when, you're, when your gas tank gets empty enough, there are prayers that begin to come out of your soul. You start praying prayers like, God, if you're real, you will get me to the next Chevron. Come on, you ever been there before? Who's ever almost been empty? Like, man, you're like, it, the, light, the red light came on like two trips ago. And I'm like, you're calling your spouse. How long can you go when this light comes on? And all the husbands in the room, they know. They're like, you can go farther than you think. <laughs> when did it come on? All the ladies go, well, it came on like, like three days ago when I took the kids to school. <laughs> and the women know you're in trouble, right, when the guy goes, ah. It was the first day, not a big deal, but day three, we're rolling the dice. It's funny how when you start driving, when you're, when you're that empty, it, you start being motivated by fear. You start running worst-case scenarios. Oh, my God, I'm going to have to, like, I'm going to call AAA, and I don't ever use them. Maybe this will be worth it to have AAA finally. Um, you start running scenarios in your head. There's something about being empty. There's something about uh, when, you're, when you're empty, it affects your sensitivity. You start getting sensitive. It's crazy when your car is empty enough you'll start actually, you stop driving like my wife, hey, and you'll start conserving the throttle. My wife's foot is made out of iron. Come on, she sits on it. It's funny, we had, I, had a, I had a couple sports cars growing up, and uh, when we got married, I'd come back, my, so I had like a couple sports cars that had like sport mode or like racing mode, and um, I came back from trips, I'd be flying somewhere to conference, and I'd come back, true story, my little innocent sweet wife, she, I'm like, I, I get in the car, and you have to like intentionally push a button down here 
three times to get it in performance mode. And I get in the car. I hardly ever have. I'm only in performance mode. I'm like showing off. So I get in the car. I'm like, Rochelle, why is it in performance mode? She's like, well, there was these like young punk kids on the freeway. What are you doing? Listen, when, when you're almost out of gas, you're not hitting the throttle. Actually, when you're empty, you actually are conserving gas. You're trying to drift. You're trying to coast. You're like, ah, I got a little momentum right now. Let's throw it in neutral, see how far we can. Come on. Who's been in neutral mode before? Like, ah, we got to do what we got to do. Affects your sensitivity. It's crazy because the Apostle Paul, I thought it was interesting studying this week, and about three different places I found pretty quickly uh, as it pertains to the Holy Spirit and talking about being full or being intoxicated. Uh, I heard A.W. Tozer talked about David running after Goliath, and he wrote this phrase down that David must have been intoxicated with God to run after that giant. He was intoxicated with God. And Paul gives these kind of these polar balances of, of kind of playing off two big ideas. Now, Ephesus, like Corinth, like Philippi, these would be very comparable to like Los Angeles, to New York, to metropolitan kind of meccas that you go to events, they're social clubs, there's going to be heavy drug usage, alcohol usage. If it's not a Christian event, you better believe there's going to be some people there that are, that, are, that are a little bit full of something. Are you following me? And so Paul gives this, this narrative, and he kind of covers it. It's interesting. I found three spots in the Bible. Judges chapter, uh, Judges chapter 1, in, uh, it, it says in, or excuse me, First Samuel. That's what I was trying to say. It was a judge. First uh, Samuel, uh, Eli was actually one of the priests, and he saw a woman named Hannah praying. And she was praying. She was so desperate for God. She was moving her lips, but she wasn't praying out loud. And literally, he thought that she was drunk. He's like, woman, what, you stop, stop drinking. And she's like, I'm not drinking. She goes, I'm desperate. And it's interesting that what he mistook as intoxicated was actually her being so desperate for God. And then it goes on, it says in the book of Acts, right, in Acts chapter 2, if you look at chapter 2, verse 12 and 13, that's the story of Pentecost, and these Jewish guys and girls, 120 of them, they have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. They walk into the downtown open square. There's 17 different nations represented of devout men. Say it with me, devout men. These are not fair-weather religious people. These are fully indoctrinated, fully committed religious people. And you have 120 Jewish people walking into the open square space, and they start speaking fluently in 17 different languages. Fluently. And they're not just talking in, like, like Portuguese and Swahili and, and, and Aramaic. And they're not just speaking languages. They're actually speaking languages they've never studied fluently, but the words they're using were glorifying God. And it's crazy because in chapter, chapter 2, you can read the whole story. In verses 12 and verse 13, watch what happens is all the devout religious people that are in the city, 12, 17 nations, see these 120 non-educated Jews when it comes to linguistics. And it says that they were perplexed in verse 12. Everyone's like, what in the world? They were, they were, no, watch what it says. So they were all amazed. All were amazed. Three responses to the Holy Spirit. Perplexed, amazed, and perplexed, saying to one another, what in the world could this mean? Others mocking said, they're full of new wine. Must be Miller time. The silver bullet. I started thinking about this. Before I used to think about 
when I read this passage is that people that are spiritually not spiritually minded, I should say it like that, not spiritually minded, they will write off the things of God and they'll just they'll make an illogical conclusion because they're so opposed to the Holy Spirit. I made the joke before, I'll say it again, that if drinking alcohol made you better at foreign languages, I'd have a divinity, or I'd have a master's degree in linguistics. I would have passed Spanish in high school. Are you following me? If being full of the Holy Spirit made you speak languages fluently automatically, come on, I would have been better at foreign language growing up. But the truth is, is these guys did not, it wasn't, they weren't drunk. They, they weren't drunk. But I started thinking about this, and I never saw this before until this week, is I, I believe that these, some people were amazed. Others were perplexed. They were like, what, what does this mean? It's kind of confusing. Yeah. And others were mocking. And I really feel like these are the three responses of really Christians to the Holy Spirit. Some people are amazed by him. They love him. Yeah. Some people are perplexed. Like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> He's there. He's the third person of the Godhead, but that must make him the third most important person. And I want you to know that he is the third person when it comes to the Godhead, but not when it pertains to priority. Yeah. They are equal in nature. Yeah. That makes sense? And the Holy Spirit actually deserves to be honored just as much as Jesus or just as much as the Father. Yeah. Do you know that one is not more worthy than the other? Yeah. They all magnify each other. Yeah. Some people say, Mark, you have to talk more about, you know, more about God or more about, the, more about the Father, more about the Son. But it's interesting that I cannot be in touch with the Father or the Son without the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I want to remind you that it was Jesus himself that said, I'm leaving you the Holy Spirit so that you can get to know me, remember what I said, do what I did, and know what's in the Father's heart and what the Son's heart is. You gotta have the Holy Spirit. It says in Ephesians 2 8 that without the Holy Spirit, we can't know the Father. Can't know Him. It talks about being led by the Holy Spirit. It's interesting that nowhere in the Bible does it say, hey, don't grieve the Father, don't grieve the Son, but over and over again, there's warnings about don't grieve the Holy Spirit. I would make this statement for some of you that maybe grew up with a different uh, background. I would always be cautious when it pertains to talking negatively about things of the Holy Spirit. There's no warnings in Scripture anywhere other than, hey, you better be, be honoring towards the Holy Spirit. We honor that part of the Godhead. It's interesting that you start looking at these passages, though, in Acts chapter 2. It says they were amazed, perplexed. Others thought they were drunk. I started thinking, why do they think they were drunk? And then why does it say Ephesians chapter 5? Paul's like, hey, don't be drunk with wine. Instead, be filled. Say it with me, filled. I don't want you to get drunk, intoxicated, soaked with alcohol, I need you to actually think this way, and this is not an anti-alcohol message. This is a pro-Holy Spirit message. Don't be, look, don't be drunk with wine. What you should do is be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why would Paul state that, be filled, when in the context of being drunk? And I thought, and I even thought, why in Acts chapter 2 did the world think that they were drunk when they were actually just filled? I think there's things that happen to drunk people that happen to filled people. Can I make some observations? When you're drunk, first thing that happens is your reality changes. Can we acknowledge this? When you're drunk, things that aren't attractive become attractive. Things that are far get close. Things that are close become far. Your assessment of reality changes when you're intoxicated. The second thing that happens to you is your balance gets thrown off. What do you mean balance? I give a hard time walking on a straight line. That's why police officers will get you out of your car, make you walk this way, that way, and see if you have balance still. It'll impair. Balance is impaired when you're intoxicated. Not only that is uh, your filter is gone. Can we agree on this? Come on, you might have been there. Maybe you know somebody. Come on, who knows somebody? 
I met someone one time, drank too much. And he told me what I heard was from them is that when they drank too much, they started saying things that they didn't mean. Or maybe they meant it, but they shouldn't have said it. <laughs> Equal worthy to note, right? Is, is they drank a little too much and their filter was gone. And, and then the last thing, the last couple things that happens is, is, is when, they, when they were under the influence, when they were fully submerged, soaked in their intoxication, they, uh, they had a confidence. It was a false confidence, but it was a confidence. Little guys picking fights with Andre the Giant. Come on. They thought he could take him. That Chihuahua thought he could take that Rottweiler. It was a false confidence. And what else happened when they were under the influence is it actually, it made them act out of the normal. What is it, what happens when you're under the influence? What happens when you're intoxicated is you don't, you do, you do what you normally would never do. Let me say it again. You will do what you normally would never do. And that's why Paul's like, hey, you know how you act that way? Your reality's messed up. Your balance is impaired. You know how your filter's kind of skewed? You know how, you're, you know how you're, uh, your, your confidence is kind of there? It's false, but it's there. You know how, uh, you, know how you, like, you live and you do things out of your normal? When you get filled with the third person of the Godhead, it will actually, uh, it'll have the similar effect on you. Some people might even mistake you as drunk because of the way that your reality changes. You'll start talking about things you never talked about before. You'll start saying and seeing things you never saw or said before. There's something interesting about people that are full of the Holy Spirit is their reality begins to change. It's not a false reality. If anything, it's the truer reality. God is for me. God is good. My life could be difficult right now. I could be in the middle of a storm. All hell might be breaking loose. But when there is a reality of his presence filling you, there's a confidence that goes, look, this is going to pass. God is for me. It's crazy that people, their reality changes when they get filled with the Holy Spirit. That It's wild how balance really starts to take place. What do you mean balance? When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, when you, when you say, Holy Spirit, fill me up. It's wild how things that normally would have knocked you over. That phone call, man, it would have drove me right back to my old vices. I should be in the bar right now. I should have, man, I should have relapsed again. I should have got the needles out again. But for some reason, when I went through the difficulty, the way I normally went that way, I, I had a balance. I said, no, I'm not going to respond like I used to respond. I'm not, come on, like that, I'm going to be filled. Holy Spirit, would you give me a confidence? Would you give me courage to respond properly? I'm not going to medicate my pain. I'm not going to motivate my pain. I'm not going to out-ambition, out-work my pain. I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit in. He's going to give me balance. So what happens is he gives you balance. And then instead of your filter leaving, he actually gives you a holy filter. What do you mean a holy filter? When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, there's things that you could say, you would have said, but you won't say. Because you value getting right with people over being right with people. It's crazy. So wild, someone does something on social media, you're like, no, I'm going to torpedo you out of the water. There's going to be some tomahawk missiles that come out of my social media thread and actually obliterate any nonsense that you're posting online. And you realize in those moments that, look, maturity is not airing every thought that goes into my head. Maturity is when you do what you don't want to do 
because it's the right thing to do. And that's crazy because when you actually are intoxicated with the Spirit of God, what happens? You're full of the Holy Spirit. He'll actually give you a filter that you never had before. Normally, I would have argued back. Normally, I would have pleaded my case. Normally, I would have got belligerent. I would have got ugly too. But it was crazy because I was so full. Listen, whatever you're full of will come out of you. You watch YouTube, come on, stories all day long, and you watch YouTube videos all day long. When you get around your coworkers at work, that's what you're talking about. YouTube stories. Did you see the new YouTube with kitty cats? Did you see the cat story? Did you see the cat video? Did you see the cat video? Did you see the baby video? See the... If all you do is watch YouTube, that's what you're talking about. If all you do is watch soap operas, that's all you want. Hey, girlfriend, did you see that? Days are lives. I don't know if it's still on. If all you do is watch them, did you see about this? Did you hear about that? Did you hear about this going on here? Did you hear about this fearful thing, that scary thing, this negative thing? Did you hear about that dividing thing? Did you, did you, did you, did you, did you, did you? Whatever you put in, if you're a music junkie, did you hear this new album? Did you see this new song? Did you watch that new movie? Whatever you put in here, it actually gets in your heart and eventually finds its way out of your mouth. It says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth... How does it get in your heart? It gets in your heart by going through your eyes, getting in your mind, and entering into your heart. That is always the evolution of, of everything that comes out of your heart came in through your gates, your eyes or your ears. And that's why I want to tell you, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, it's really wild that you'll start getting a filter for things that you never had before. And guess what? You won't have a false confidence, you'll have a real confidence. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, it is so wild that you could be standing on the door of bankruptcy and say, no, God's got us. I know. You could be in the middle of like, man, we might get divorced. I just know that God's going to take care of this. You could be close to the, you could be closer to a cliff than you've ever been before. But when you surrender and yield your life and say, Holy Spirit, whatever, God, whatever you want to do, there is a confidence that comes in you when you're filled. And the last thing that always happens is, is you'll start doing things you normally could never do. It's kind of like when you're in the water, like in a river, and normally, I don't, who's ever gone like camping before, and you find some like ankle deep part of a stream? Come on, California, this is a river. Look at this river, and you get in the stream, and then you're there with your kids, right? And your kids get in there, and everyone starts grabbing the little rocks, and they start trying to make a dam because we're going to make this knee deep water swimmable, which never happens. And so everyone starts getting rocks. Who's ever built a little dam with rocks, little river stones? So you're building. It's wild. I remember even as a kid, there was rocks that I could pick up when they were in the water that I could never pick up outside of the water. There was things that were way too heavy for me. But if I could get them in that environment, that atmosphere, it wasn't my strength. It was the environment. It was the atmosphere that gave me like, whoa, I can... These old things. And I realized, look, it wasn't my strength. It was, it was the environment that I was in. I was soaked. I was submerged. I was, I, was in a, I was in a river. And notice the Holy Spirit says, and God, you know, God speaks to, Jesus speaks to the woman at the well. And he says, and when you begin to worship, the true worshipers will worship in spirit and truth. And he talks about like, out of his belly will flow rivers. Notice he never refers to the Holy Spirit as lakes. Never refers to the Holy Spirit as dry cisterns, as, as dead sea, come on, outlets. But he says the Holy Spirit will flow in and out of you like a, 
Why a river? Because rivers are always, they're moving. Many people get dead spiritually because they get stagnant. I'm going to stay here. We're going to play it safe. We're not going to move. We don't know what the future holds. We've got to keep doing it the way that it's always been done. Listen, the Holy Spirit flows like a river. And he's in you and he wants out of you. He wants out of you. And I've just, if I could write three things down about being filled with the Holy Spirit. You're like, Mark, look, I've been to churches. I've heard messages on the Holy Spirit. Well, what's make, what makes this difference? I want to give you a test if you are fuller. When you get full, when you get fuller of the Holy Spirit, it'll affect three areas that Paul writes about in Ephesians. He says, number one, it'll always affect your speaking. It'll affect your speaking. And I would say to you today that if you still have a hard time not saying negative stuff, discouraging stuff, fearful stuff, I've learned that when you get full of the Holy Spirit, notice what he says here. He says, you're going to speak, what does he say? It says, uh, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. When you get full of the Holy Spirit, you'll begin to speak to yourself in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. It's making modern day, is that all right? How about the book of Psalms, Hillsong, and some Bethel worship? And you'll start speaking to yourself. You'll start worshiping. It starts, it's crazy. People ask, Mark, what changed? Because here, I said this last week, and I don't want to keep re- re- reiterating this, but I do believe that encountering the Holy Spirit doesn't always happen the moment you invite Jesus into your life. I believe that salvation happens in the moment. Jesus, would you come into my life? Yeah, absolutely. He saved my soul. Why am I going to heaven, but I still have the appetite of my old man? Paul, well, I said this before, but in Acts chapter 9, Paul he had an encounter with Jesus, saw him visibly, believed in him 100% for three days. But it wasn't until Ananias walked in the room and said, Brother Saul, God sent me in here that you might receive the Holy Spirit. And when he had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, something like scales fell off of his eyes, and there was a new power that filled him up. Again, these are not antithetical, antithetical to each other. They all cooperate. Does that make sense? So he had a separate experience. I read last week that they were like, hey, we didn't know there was a Holy Spirit. Paul says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Like, we didn't know there was a Holy Spirit. And I've been to that church before. I don't want to talk about that stuff. But I want you to know that there there is an encounter that God wants to have with all of you. That he would actually fill you with the Holy Spirit. And notice when Paul says fill, listen, the word fill, it actually doesn't just mean once. It means to fill and refill. It's literally like saying, hey, when you buy this car, you're going to have to fill it. And you're going to drive it for a little while, and then you're going to have to. And then you're going to drive a little bit more, and you're going to have to. So many people think that Christianity is a one-time. And we're wondering why our marriage is broken down on the side of the road. Bible reading life is broken down on the side of the road. Prayer life is broken down. On the side of the road, it's my, 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 my name is Christian, but my nature isn't broken down on the side of the road. And I just can't help but to feel this so strong for Orange County, a place that's so rich in knowledge of God, but so poor when it pertains to encountering the Holy Spirit. That I would just plead with you today, I, I read a book about even uh, Catherine Coleman pleading with the crowd. She pleaded, she was in New York City, she pleaded with this crowd. She said, please, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. But she was weeping when she said it, and she said it with such conviction and such, it was almost like, like a mother pleading for the life of her kids to a murderer. 
please don't kill my kids. But she was saying, please don't grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's a person. And I think sometimes we think, we think force. We think the Holy Ghost. And by the way, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, it's the same thing. I heard one person, well, I believe in the Holy Spirit, but not in the Holy Ghost. Not in that backwoods stuff. Same thing. And I want you to know today, are you still with me today? That when you have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, how do you know you have an encounter with the Holy Spirit? I promise you, it'll give you love for the Word of God. It'll affect your speaking. I have no idea. I was never a reader, don't like reading, not a big, big, big academic reader. I read one book through my entire 13 years of school, The Outsiders. Only book I read. I faked everything else through school. And I graduated, and literally, I did not like reading. I was a watcher, not a reader. I watched a movie one time. I have a photograph. I memorize every line. And there's so much wasted space in my brain with, with, come on, Joe Dirt quotes and Dumb and Dumber lines and Tommy Boy. I have every Chris Farley. And I'm telling you, my wife, she doesn't enjoy, she doesn't appreciate half of the studying that I did growing up. I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit when I was... When I, was, when I was 19. And when I had this encounter with the Holy Spirit, my, my youth pastor, my brother-in-law now, he said, you're gonna have an appetite for the word of God, Mark, that you're actually gonna turn off the movies, you're gonna turn off the radio. I was in a Napster back in the day. Burned my own CDs. Love music, love movies. But I'll tell you this, when I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden I had this internal drive. I gotta get alone with this book. It was a while, I'm an extrovert, I charge around people, but for some reason, when I was in Bible college, there was many nights, Friday nights, Saturday nights, I'm like, hey guys, I can't hang tonight, and I intentionally knew, I only had one day off, two days off a week, I had to spend time with the Holy Spirit, and I would go in my room, and I would grab the Bible, I would read through the New Testament, I, I would read through the, I'd, I'd read through the Gospels in one setting, I would read through 40, 50, 60 chapters in one night. And then I would spend two hours talking to the Holy Spirit about it, just saying, God, that's so cool. I, I want to be like that. I want to get this into my life. I, I want to be this type of person. I want to live like this. I want to see like this. And it's wild because always, be, listen, you have these like holy moments with God because God wants to prepare you to do something great. Yeah. And here's the problem with our generation. We all want to be on the stage performing, but no one wants to practice. No one wants to go in their room, get to know the Holy Spirit. We want to have miracle ministries, but no communing and intimacy with the Holy Spirit. We want to podcast 16 messages and preach like that person. But I want you to know, you never get the same results as men and women of God by imitating their performance. You have to imitate their preparation. There's something about getting alone with the Holy Spirit. Saying, God, would you speak to me? Listen, when you encounter the Holy Spirit, he will give you an appetite for the Word of God. It'll affect the way you speak. Can I get an amen? All of a sudden, I start declaring Psalms 91 when there's viruses going around. And all of a sudden, I start praying Psalms 23 and Psalms chapter 1. I'm going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And in spite of circumstances, you start declaring God's word. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And the second thing that happens when you, when you have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, when you get really full, is it will always affect, it will completely transform your prayer life. And I want to warn some of you, your quiet times are going to get louder. My quiet time wasn't so quiet this morning. I normally just have my cup of coffee and my newspaper and the Bible. And I read three chapters and I just go about my day. But it was weird because I had this encounter with the Holy Spirit and like, I felt this passion come over me. 
started praying for my, my, my nephew who's on the run from God. And this almost violent prayer came out of me. Devil, that kid does not belong to you. Started praying like T.D. Jakes. And the Lord said, ah. No, maybe not that. But you, you, get, you get a little fire in you, right? There's a little fire like God, don't. My marriage, come on, my, my children, my grandkids, my God, you're going to navigate this business with wisdom, and I'm going to go into the boardroom with the mind of Christ, and you don't have little, like, little wimpy, watered-down quiet times. You have this transformed, completely invigorated prayer time. That's weird. I don't know why. All of a sudden, I just have this appetite to start talking to God. I'll never forget when I got, I'm like, man, this is weird. I'm like in the shower. I'm like in the bathroom. I'm like wherever I'm at, I'm in the car, driving to work, and all I want to do is just talk to him. I had moments, I'm like slicing meat. I worked in a deli. I was in Winco during when I was going through Bible college. I worked with 16 moms. Come on. I had 16 moms in the deli. We all had hairnets. Come on. And we are, I'm slicing meat in the deli. And there was moments I'm like, I just, I'm, I start talking. I'm, oh, gosh, I can't do that. Like, everyone's going to think I'm crazy. Because he was as real to me as the ground I'm standing on. I could feel him going with me. I could feel him. I could feel when I grieved him. To this day, I can feel when I grieve them. And I'll be honest, one of my least favorite things that I do is the moments that I, for a moment, I break intimacy with him by doing something that I know that he doesn't like. I know, listen, how do you know what God does and doesn't like? How do you know what your spouse does and doesn't like? You ever been in a room, your spouse sees you talking a certain way or make a joke or maybe a backhanded compliment or maybe like exposed a, a flaw, Right? And you're like, my, my wife, she doesn't, and she just kind of looks around, she's like, um, have I told you guys how amazing Rochelle is? Just love her, she's perfect. One look. I knew exactly the temperature of Rochelle's heart by one glance. And some of you are like, Mark, I have no idea what God's looking like right now. But I'm telling you that when you get alone with the Holy Spirit, you know what I did in the early days? I just said, Holy Spirit, I, I want you to know I'm completely ignorant of knowing you. I didn't, I, look, I, if I can know you like a friend, I want to know you. And here's what the word, the, the word gave me this, this thought last night. The band can come up out finished. Is he said, Mark, when the, I want to make my people sensitive again. I had this picture. I, was, I, got, I, I don't cry a lot in the presence of God. But I started getting really emotional last night because I was praying for Orange County. You know what I saw? I saw hands, but they were like, uh, they were like my uncle or my grandpa's hands growing up. They were workers' hands. They were, they were calloused. You ever seen a mechanic's hands? They're like usually dark, right? They have like dark, like black on them, and there's like oil and under the fingernails. And I'm not, I'm not knocking any, having dirty hands. But what I saw was I saw thick calluses. And I saw how so many people here, they've almost been around the Holy Spirit but almost like in an industrial way. Like we almost view them like a piece of equipment and not a person. There's churches that even talk about his gifts and they talk about his power, but they don't talk about him as a person. And it's almost like they're operating machinery with calloused hands instead of having sensitive hands. What happens when you're really hungry? When you're really hungry, you get sensitive. Really, what happens when you're really full? You ever been so full that the smell of even good food 
keep that pie away from me. I know it's delicious, but I'll throw up. I am so sensitive, I can't even smell. I'm so, who's been that full before? I am so full, I cannot look or look at smell. I don't care how, you could be the greatest chef in the world. I have no more room. I got nothing else to give. I am so overtly full that I just, that I'm so sensitive to smells and to sights because of what's in here. And I had the Holy Spirit last night just started showing me how so many people are so calloused, they can't feel the Holy Spirit's presence. They can't sense Him. They're, they're not sensitized anymore. They're, they're numb. He could, be, he could be in an environment that is totally oblivious to it. Not because He's not there, but because they just can't feel Him. And I saw the Holy Spirit wanting to give us our sensitivity back. I want to be fuller. Paul warned, he said, look, when you get full of the Holy Spirit, not drunk with wine, you get filled of the Holy Spirit, not only is it going to change your speaking, you're going to love the Bible, it's going to affect you singing. It says, singing, making melodies in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks. Say it with me, giving thanks. Come on, say it with me, giving thanks. You know what happens when you get full of the Holy Spirit? There is a gratitude that wells up inside of you that even on a bad day, you'll find a good reason to praise Him. Even on a difficult day, you'll be like, God, you're still good. Making melody in your heart. What do you mean singing? I'm not talking about just singing. I think singing's great, and I certainly do that. But I want you that singing to me represents a altered prayer time. And I want to warn you that when you really have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, it will give you a new vocabulary and a new desire for the Word. It will give you a new uh, desire to sing, make melody, and to actually pray differently. And the third thing that it'll do, this is a big test. Most, this is why I know most of most people in California are not full of the Holy Spirit because it gives you a willingness to actually yield yourself one to another. It says that you'll actually submit one to another, one to another, in the fear of the Lord. Submit one to another. Now, we don't like the word submit. We don't like it in marriage. We don't like it in business. We don't like it anywhere, really. We're Americans. Come on. But I want to let you know today that submit's not a bad word. And wives, submission's not a bad word. Let me, let me show it to you. Sub comes from the Greek word underneath. Mission. So when it says wives be, be in submission to your husband, you know what it means? It means to be underneath the mission of your marriage. It's not a demeaning phrase. It's like, you're down there and I'm up here. It means no, I'm, we're submitted to each other. We actually choose to live underneath each other's mission. I'm under his mission. She's under my mission. We are mutually submitted to each other. And when it says you're submitted to, to, to one another, it means, you know what? I am choosing to actually yield in humility and love you even when there's differences in us. And I think, man, true, mature Christians are the ones that can value differences and not get so angry and belligerent to point them out. This church isn't this enough. That pastor is too much of this. And this political leader is too much of that. It's funny how we have an opinions about everybody. Here's the funniest thing about humanity. Can I, can I point out a thought? is that we are so good at identifying everybody else's weaknesses, but we make such an allowance for our own. Why is it the things that bother us about everything else, everybody else, are the things that we make a total allowance for in ourselves? They shouldn't have said that yesterday. Well, you, you ever said anything wrong? Yeah, yeah. That's me though, you know? Exactly. We're in a mutualism. When, when the Holy Spirit fills you up. Are you hearing me today? It'll give you a desire to actually yield yourself in humility and I want you to write this down you choose getting right over being right 
I don't care how many degrees you have, what seminary you went to, and how smart you are theologically. Paul says you can know all mysteries, have all knowledge, and have faith to move mountains. But if you don't have, if you don't have what? You're worth nothing. And there's some people that aren't worth because they're right, but they're no loving. They're non-loving. There's no care. There's no desire. It's like this people group's in sin, and this people group's going to hell, and these people stink, and God hates that political party. It's like, whoa, where is love? God is. Paul right? or Jesus says, when I come back, the world will know that you're my followers by the way you debate, by the way you argue scriptures, by the way you stand at sporting events with signs loudspeakers at Venice Beach. He says, the world will know you're my followers by the way you love one another. Two final prayers of Jesus. Make us one as they are one and unify them. Come on, there was a, there was a desire in God's heart for unity and love. So today, I wanna, I wanna pray that the Holy Spirit fills us up. Some are, I, I don't know, that's amazing. Others are like, ah. Others might even sit here and mock today and go, ah, I don't think the Holy Spirit, I don't think you really have an encounter. I think the only encounter you have is the one that you have when you actually raise your hand and you pray a prayer. Well, if that's all you believe, I want you to know that'll probably be your only encounter you ever have. But if you'll actually open up your heart and say, God, if there's more than I've experienced, I'm in. I want you to know that he'll do it. Well, I'm kind of scared of that idea, Mark, more, being fuller. What if I get weird? Here's the good news. When you have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, you'll always love Jesus more. You'll always love the Bible more. You'll always love people more. And you'll actually take on not only his name, you'll start to take on God's nature. So if those things concern you, then yeah, I get it. Don't desire the Holy Spirit. But if those things are intriguing to you, then I would say let's respond today. Would you stand your feet? Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.